Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. Okay, we're going to start with a show of hands. How many people have ever been afraid of developing dementia and ending your life in a nursing home? Please raise your hand. Okay. How many people think that could never happen to them? Well, there's a couple over there. Um, how many people never raise their hands in public? <laughs> well, my mother has dementia, and she lives in a nursing home in Burbank, California. Her room is 11 by 13 feet. There's a hospital bed, and one of those TVs on a big arm that swivels around so you can see it from all angles. There's a closet about this wide with all her clothes in it, and a little dresser from Ikea, and one of those dorm refrigerators where her caregiver keeps bottled water and snacks, and sometimes those little bottles of Coke from Mexico. Um, there's some shelves on the wall with little tchotchkelas we put up there from her trips around the world with Dad. And there's a wheelchair, Mom's wheelchair, which serves as additional guest seating. Room 21 at St. Elizabeth's, which my brother and sister and I call St. Lizard's, not because there's anything wrong with the place, just because it's more fun to say, I think. Um, room 21 at St. Lizard's, 11 by 13 feet, 143 square feet. That's my mother's whole world. My mother's previous residence was a 6,000 square foot house in Beverly Hills, zip code 90210. Mom's walk-in closet on Tower Road in Beverly Hills was twice as big as her room at St. Lizard's. So this story is about how she got from there to here and something about me and how I got from there to here. I was born lucky. My parents were kind and generous people. My dad, Bud, and my mom, Annalie, managed to instill in their three kids a sense of optimism, a sense that everything was always going to turn out all right. And you know, for a long time, it did. My dad graduated high school right as World War II was winding down, and he enlisted in the Navy. So it was typical of his luck that he got sent overseas to Coronado Island in San Diego Bay. He was done with all his service in six months. They let him out, and that was that. And he went back to Los Angeles, and he went into real estate. Now, he used to say that anybody who was in real estate in Los Angeles in the 1950s and 60s and didn't make money had to be some kind of an idiot. And what he did was build housing developments. His timing was perfect. He built comfortable, affordable houses for returning GIs and their baby boom kids. And he did real well at it. And in the early 60s, he and my mom decided they were going to do the ultimate prestige Los Angeles thing. They were going to build a house in Beverly Hills. They always said, by the way, that you build a house in Beverly Hills for the schools, but whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, they, um, my dad hired an architect, and they really designed a beautiful mid-century modern house with horizontal lines, lots of windows and glass, and of course, a kidney-shaped swimming pool. We moved in in 1964 when I was 12 years old. Boy, mom and dad loved that house. They were so proud of it. 
They loved to entertain. We had Thanksgivings, um, big Christmas parties with uh, carolers and trees, and uh, Passover seders for 20 or even 30 people. They were huge, and they loved every minute of it. And we kids loved living there too. It was our touchstone. It was the place that we could invite our friends and be comfortable and, and all be together. It was great. So, about 25 years ago, my husband Joe and I moved to Portland. And we used to go back to Los Angeles and visit. At the time, my parents were about, in their early 60s, about the age I am now. And for a long time, everything just went along fine. And then all of a sudden, they got old. It seemed like all of a sudden. Uh, Bud went first. His Jaguar had these strange, unexplainable dents in it. And he was a mild-mannered person, never raised his voice, and all of a sudden he was angry and frustrated. Um, they had to keep the doors locked to keep him from wandering away. He got lost in the house that he built. He couldn't find the bedroom. Eventually, he couldn't find the toilet. Um, our only choice, it seemed, was to have him live somewhere else, and so we moved him to a place called Sunrise Senior Living uh, in the memory care unit. You know, the memory, they're all named memory care or memory lane or reminiscence floor or something like that. It's kind of like those housing developments that are called Shady Lane because there's no Shady Lanes left or Glen Woods because there's no trees left. And the memory care units for people with no memory left. Um, boy, it was complicated. We were sad that he was there. We were relieved that he was there. We were guilty that we felt relieved that he was there. Um, we were sad that we felt guilty that we were relieved. Uh, you know, it was a stew. Uh, the good part was that Bud didn't know where he was. He had no idea. And he didn't know who we were either. And when we'd come to visit him, he was kind of like, you know, he was always real sociable. He was kind of like the uh, host at a cocktail party who didn't recognize any of the guests. But he's still happy to see us. Um, it was about a year after that that he died. And he died at home. I kind of like to think that he knew he was there. Well, once Dad died, we started paying more attention to Mom. And you know, that wasn't going so well either. She was driving around and getting lost on streets she'd driven on all her life. Uh, she, we gave her the 80th birthday party, and a couple days later, she didn't remember it at all. All her old friends were there. Uh, I saw her with a checkbook in one hand and a pen in the other hand, and she was frozen. I realized she'd forgotten how to sign her name. Then she fell. Hairline fracture of the sacrum. Terrible injury. Ambulance, hospital, nursing home. She couldn't go back to the house. We took her to a place called Belmont Senior Living. We'd had enough of sunrise, not that they were that different. Uh, not long after she got to Belmont, she fell again. Ambulance, hospital, nursing home. But this time, despite the best efforts of the physical therapists, they never could teach her to walk again. They said that she was fine physically, that there was nothing impeding her from walking, but that she'd just forgotten how, and she wasn't going to learn anything new at this point. So she needed help 24-7. She's in a wheelchair. She needed help bathing, eating, dressing, going to the toilet, you name it. There really was no choice. At St. Lizard's she was, and at St. Lizard's she remains. So, here we are, room 21, St. Lizard's, 143 square feet, 
Time passes slowly here. Uh, when Joe and I go to visit, we walk in, and she's happy to see us. She still knows us. That's not going to last, but at the, time, at the moment, she still knows us. Um, and we're happy to see her. Well, I'm very happy to see her. Um, and then, after about five minutes of trying to make conversation and figure out what's going on, um, I'm, I would give anything to leave. So it's a, pr a pretty ambivalent situation. Uh, we, so we try and think of things to talk about. We push her wheelchair up to the Baskin Robinsons and we get a ice cream, uh, Baskin Robbins and we get an ice cream cone, um, come back. The, the good part is that she's forgotten all about the house on Tower Road, doesn't remember it at all. She doesn't have any idea where she is. She thinks she's in a, in a, on a cruise ship. Her caregiver at night says, good night, I'm going to my cabin. And she says, oh, good, I'll see you in the morning. You know where to find me. And she's even forgotten that dad died. She says, have you seen your father lately? And, you know, we've known, we don't argue with her about that. Oh, mom, dad died. That's like the wrong direction to go. Instead, we usually say, hey, um, uh, I bet he'll be by soon. She says, yeah, I guess he will. So, sadness for sure. I don't think this is how my mother expected to end her days. Um, fear, big time. That could be me in 20 years. Maybe sooner, as my husband says. <laughs> uh, gratitude to my parents for being, being good parents and doing the best they could. Gratitude to my husband and to my brother and sister for all being on the same page for taking care of mom and we're all rowing in the same direction. And this tremendous sense of helplessness that there's really nothing I can do to make it much better. So uh, is that everything turning out all right? Mom doesn't know where she is and she's well cared for, so that might be all right for her. But turning out all right has a lot of definitions. There's one thing I can do, though, which makes me feel less helpless. Um, I'm a singer, and I got my love of music from my mother. She sang with us when we were kids. She sang in the car. She sang at Girl Scouts when she was our Girl Scout leaders. And so one thing that I do is I take my ukulele when I go to Los Angeles, and I do a little sing-along for the residents of St. Lizards. They're a quiet crowd. <laughs> They, you can tell they're following along, but they're, some of them you know, can't even applaud, and I guarantee you'll never get a standing ovation there because nobody can stand up. <laughs> but mom still loves to sing, and it's the darndest thing, but she still knows all the words. So I'm going to sing a little bit of a song that she used to sing to us as a lullaby. The words are on the cover of your program. It might be a song some of you know, and you can sing with me if you like. <laughs> 